I had no idea that asphalt pavement was such an emotional topic. Around 1900, you have a lot of images in newspapers of um, an asphalt paving with a rain puddle. So people would consider it really beautiful. People started making eggs on asphalt paving, which is a very odd thing <laughs> to do. Hello and welcome to the second episode of In a Nutshell, a podcast of Fox in which experts at Radboud University tell us what fascinates them most about their research. My name is Antonia Leiser and together we will explore some of the most interesting findings and topics that a hundred years of Radboud University have brought forward. Today's guest is Anneline Arnold. She is an assistant professor of cultural history at the Faculty of Arts. And we are going to talk about what some might consider a counterintuitive topic, namely the history of asphalt paving. Welcome, Anneline. Thank you. Happy to be here. Before we take a deep dive into the early 19th century and the origins of asphalt paving, here are three facts about the surprisingly interesting material. Number one. Before asphalt was used for pavement, it was used in beauty products. Number two. When asphalt was first introduced, it led to a lot of horse accidents. And finally, number three, in the early 20th century, people baked eggs on asphalt. Anneline, you are a historian of emotion. I think the question we're all asking is, how did you end up researching the history of asphalt paving? Well, I was definitely the last to expect that. Um, I did my PhD on the history of shopping, so <laughs> asphalt is a lot less glamorous. Um, I actually ended up uh, working on asphalt pavement um, because I was doing a project on the emotional history of the city around 1900, the experience of modernity in cities. And I had developed a method that allowed me to um, and find um, the range of feelings people had in cities by zooming in on a particular um space, particular location, and then sort of dropping myself down like the little Google Maps street view guy um, and trying to observe as much as I could um, using newspapers and all kinds of other sources about daily life in cities. And one of the topics that came back uh, and again um, that came up uh, all the time was asphalt paving in a number of locations, which made me sort of realize, well, this is this must be a topic. This must be something that I need to look into, especially because uh, urban historians had not um, looked into that at all. And I knew quite a bit about urban history before I started this. And I had no idea that asphalt pavement was such an emotional uh, topic. And what exactly makes asphalt paving such an emotional topic? Um, there's different things about it. I think it's very um, it's a very concrete thing. The, what what lays beneath your feet, how you move through the city, is very much determined um, by the material of pavement. So cobblestones, asphalt pavement. It's something that really affects your everyday movements. So I think that's that's part of it, the materiality of, of the pavement. Um, and another element uh, is that it was really it was really something modern. Um, it was invented. Um, in, first experiments took place in the early 19th century with with asphalt for paving. Mm -hmm. But around the 1840s, it was it was actually for the first time that it, um, city councils in, constructed it in a number of cities, including Paris and London. So the big metropolises, the big modern uh, cities. Um, and from that moment on, for quite a long time, it was a symbol of modernity. It was really sort of emblematic of um, urban modernity. 
And that's also, I think, why it it roused a lot of emotions because it it was a sort of a, uh, a shortcut, a word that uh, an, an image of the city um, and everything that was changing at that particular moment in time. Um, because between the late 19th century, the early 20th century, um, there was a lot going on in cities. Uh, there was enormous growth, both in in terms of um, the territory, but especially in the in the number of people living in cities there was industrialization um there was commercialization you know shopping landscape sort of booming out of control a lot of leisure activities taking place migration um the the rise of socialism there was a lot going on in these cities and um a lot that had to do with progress and there was a big belief in progress uh, but there was also uh, an anxiety uh, about that progress and about all that change and i think those two elements um made it very emotional also because the way different road users move over the mater- material of asphalt was very different for pedestrians it was a sort of a, an upgrade um if you compare it to the cobblestone um, pavement, because it was smooth and easy to walk on. At one point, uh, there was a reader sending a, a letter to to an Amsterdam newspaper saying, well, finally, we were getting rid of all the bunions on our feet. But at the same time, horses were shodded for those those cobblestones, so they, they would slip and, and, and fall because the asphalt was too smooth. Asphalt sort of facilitated the speed uh, of bicycles and cars, which were also new road users at, at that particular moment in time. So it sort of brought the question of who has the right to the space of the city? Who's the city for? Who's the, the street for? It really brought that kind of um, question into a very concrete reality. So it brought it to, in a very practical way, it brought it to the fore for a lot of different social groups, a lot of different types of urban dwellers, basically. So in a way, asphalt was essentially where everyone in the city came together. Yes, and butted heads, <laughs> literally sometimes. <laughs> you just mentioned that asphalt was the sign of modernity and that a lot of uh, people saw the modern city as a city that was with asphalt paving. Um, so could you consider asphalt paving the gentrification process of the 19th century in a way? Well, I wouldn't say it, that it was the gentrification process, but it definitely was related to gentrification. Um, the first streets um, that were asphalted um, in, in a number of cities, but also, for example, in Amsterdam, were shopping streets, um, which were increasingly designed to accommodate a leisured class of people who had money and means and time um, to uh, procure themselves with goods and, and to, to go out um, to shops to socialize also. Um, and the fact that those streets were paved um, with asphalt was really it was really meant to facilitate that particular pedestrian, uh, the flaneur, the person who would walk and sort of leisurely and, and look at the shop windows uh, and, and at the other uh, pedestrians. It was really meant to facilitate them, not to facilitate the people who were using it practically, uh, like people who would, were driving horses or, 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 or carriages. And you can really see that it's those streets that get asphalted first and then gradually um As it spreads through the city, you can really see that it's mainly it, it, it's meant for um, for the upper class, but at the same time, it wasn't exclusively for upper class neighborhoods. In Amsterdam, there is a clear intent. I think about the 10th Street that was asphalted um, among the city council. They really wanted 
there to be streets in the um, in the working class districts as well, um, because it was associated also not just with modernity, but it was also considered more hygienic than cobblestone pavements. And so the idea was that if you would construct an asphalt pavement in a working class street, that those streets would would become more hygienic, and and um, discourses about hygiene always were also a bit moral discourses about um, what a good person was or what what a person sort of how it was not just in terms of of, of um, physical hygiene but also in terms of social hygiene and so on. So it was really meant to, in a way, gentrify those those neighborhoods or to sort of discipline um, those those working class inhabitants of those streets. So obviously, this is not exactly the association that we nowadays have with asphalt paving, because nowadays, when we think of a modern, gentrified, clean city, as you would, uh, then we think of green spaces and yeah, cobblestone. So in a way, are we going backward? In a way, in a way, you could say that we're going backward, but I don't think uh, history ever goes backward. It, it develops in different in different uh, ways. Um, but it is it, it is interesting. Um, when when I started researching this topic, I would I imagine that it would immediately be considered like sort of hard and 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 sort of unappealing visually, but the the opposite was true. So people would consider it really beautiful, um, and they would actually sort of around 1900, you have a lot of um, images in newspapers of um, an asphalt paving with um, a sort of a, a rain puddle and then artificial light shining into that puddle, and then you, you would have some sort of reflection, and that was like the epitome of the modern city, sort of a, a dark <laughs> asphalt pavement with water on it and then uh, a lamp reflecting onto, on, onto that. And that was really considered aesthetic and beautiful. And that only starts to change um, after 1900 when the discourses about urban living uh, as something bad and, and sort of the beginning of the end in a way, um, as bad for moral standards and as bad for all kinds of social um, relationships, um, starts to take off. Um, at that particular moment, that symbol of modernity becomes associated with something that is unnatural. So the city was seen at that particular point as unnatural. Um, and that's only when, when that association between green, well, that association between green spaces and, and health uh, existed for a longer time. It, it started as a sort of pendant of urbanization. But you can really see that that, that contrast that is being made, um, that only happens when, when people start to be very critical of the city, very critical of progress also uh, around the First World War. Um, so I wouldn't say we, we we're going backwards because that association between green spaces and, and sort of progress and modernity didn't exist in that particular moment of time. And it also didn't really exist before asphalt was introduced. So it all got different meanings and was therefore experienced in a very different way, um, if that makes sense. That's very interesting. But that asphalt has been used as a pavement material is not necessarily self-explanatory, right? No, um, and it wasn't self-explanatory to um, contemporaries in when it was introduced as a pavement in the 1850s, the 1860s. So in the 19th century, you see a lot of, from as an emotion historian, I call this sort of emotional um, 
emotional work to prepare people for that uh, material um, being introduced uh, in into city. So you see a lot of articles that explain the history of, of asphalt as a material, um, and they mention how it goes back to ancient uh, history and how it was used in different societies for beauty products, among others, for medical um, advances. Um, and then, of course, technology works the way it works. Uh, at a particular moment in time, people figured out that it could be used as a sort of a paving material, which has to do with the fact um, that it is uh, water resistant. Um, and so they, they sort of realized that if you put that on the ground, that it, it's functional also in hygienic uh, context. And so the first experiments start and in the beginning, it's not it, it doesn't work properly too. So it, it is being used for roofing, for other kinds of surfaces to sort of make them waterproof. But the particular way in which it was it was done uh, meant that, for example, in heat it would melt or that it, it just didn't really work as a pavement. And the fact that um, those experiments keep going, I think, must have to do with the, with the fact that it, it was an industrial material that was industrially produced and that people sort of wanted to keep going uh, and sort of create that kind of technological progress. So what you see is that also in, in particular cities, so in, in Amsterdam in the 1840s, um, there is the first experiment with two strips of asphalt being laid out um, in a side street of the Kalverstraat, the main shopping street, um, so that the the wheels of the carriage can sort of drive over it smoothly, um, but that the horse could sort of be in the middle of it. It's a big disaster. So a lot of um, uh, carriage drivers sort of protest, and when they start talking about reintroducing it, um, so they take it they take it out. And in the 1870s, they start talking about reintroducing it um, in the entire shopping street. And so the carriage drivers are like, no, let's not go back to that disaster um, because they had very um, bad memories of it. And regardless of that fact, um, they do reintroduce it. Uh, and then they sort of pave the entire street. So the materiality of asphalt has developed throughout experiments because they, they experiment with that um, throughout the 19th century, early 20th century. And I, they still experiment with uh, different compositions of asphalt today, but also the way it was laid out and, and where it was laid out and what it was used for was um, evolved um, because it was an experiment uh, to begin with, because it was not self-evident that it was there. Um, and because it was not self-evident, newspapers had to sort of educate people in a way to, to get used to that, that idea. If you are enjoying this episode so far, you should give a listen to the previous episode of In a Nutshell, where my co-host Yara is learning all about the mystical world of monsters and what they might tell us about ourselves. And now, back to Asphalt. But once Asphalt was introduced, people had some crazy reactions to it. Absolutely. Um, so as I said before, it was a very emotional topic. Um, the carriage drivers who didn't want the asphalt, um, they would also be very sad because um, their horses would slip and fall and, and on occasion horses might even die. So they, they would sort of mourn their horses and newspapers would also report that showing like pictures of, of uh, carriage drivers sitting sort of def deflated 
uh, next to the horse, uh, mourning the loss of, the, of their horse. Uh, but you also had people sort of very excited uh, throwing parties because their streets would receive asphalt paving. People would also do crazy things. So that might not necessarily be a clear emotion, but it is definitely an emotional response to asphalt paving. Um, so around 1900, people get very fascinated with how the material responds to heat, for example. Um, and so in the newspapers, you find uh, uh, several photos of people People baking an egg on the asphalt. So they would say, you know, it's been so hot in the city that people started baking eggs on asphalt uh, paving, um, which is a very sort of odd thing <laughs> to do. I don't think anybody does it anymore. Um, and people would also sort of um, roller skate on on, on asphalt. Um, roller skating actually is facilitated by the introduction of asphalt, because I don't know if anybody's ever tried to roller skate on cobblestones. It really <laughs> doesn't work as well as it as it does on, on asphalt uh, paving. And the roller skating itself was also associated with sort of modernity and craziness. Um, and roller skating was not the only thing. I, I I found pictures uh, in Amsterdam newspapers of um, people skiing <laughs> on asphalt pavement in um, in Berlin. So sort of skis with little roll rollers under it, and they would sort of use use the the pavement and the streets for that purpose. Um, so yeah, lots of crazy things uh, going on, and newspapers would really report on that. And you might say, well, newspapers. What does that say about how people experience asphalt pavement? Um, but the fact that they sort of report that and the fact that they keep reporting on the, on those topics, I think, is a sort of an indication of the fact that a lot of people were very fascinated by it and and sort of yeah did crazy things and were very interested in at looking in looking at those crazy things that people did on the on the asphalt pavement. Before we get to the final section of this podcast, I would like to ask you for everyone who's listening and who would like to learn more about your research topic: Is there a book, a movie, or any other source of information that people? can look into and that you can recommend? Well, asphalt is a bit of a niche <laughs> topic, as you can imagine. So there's not a lot of um, material um, yet. Um, and so I, I think one of the, 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 the fun things about asphalt is that it is about modernity and about how people experience modernity, how they deal with modernity. And I had to immediately think of a, um, a, a, a film that was made in, in Germany in 1927 called Berlin, uh, the Symphonie der Großstadt by Walter Rüttmann, which really expresses that fascination that people had with modernity, with crowds, but also with the materiality of modernity, uh, of which asphalt um, very much is has been, has been a symbol. And um, asphalt is often associated with... Um, cars and with highways um, but the the reason that all those highways have been paved is because of that fascination with modernity um, that goes back into the 19th century long before there were any highways designed to facilitate the car and I think that that um, uh, film um, although it, it contains cars because it's 1927 sort of really uh, symbolizes that fascination that people had with modern materials like asphalt paving. And what is the final thing that everyone should always remember when it comes to asphalt paving? That how we experience it today and how it makes us feel, that that um, is not a universal thing, um, that different people in different times respond differently to um, something as sort of concrete and banal as asphalt pavement 
the smoothness of it can be experienced in a different way. Um, the hardness of it can be experienced in different ways. Uh, the color of it <laughs> can be experienced in different ways. Um, so an emotional response to your material environment um, is always, 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 always um, determined by who you are, where you live, what culture you belong to, what social group you belong to, and the time in which you live. Annelien, thank you so much for your time and uh, for sharing your interesting research with us. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me.